0: The candidates for U.S. Senate in Florida will debate tonight, and you can hear it live on WMNF. We'll broadcast the debate between Marco Rubio and Val Demings on our HD3 channel, The Source, from 7 until 8 o'clock tonight. You can listen on an HD radio, on the WMNF app, or on WMNF.org. This Friday, Pinellas County's bus service, PSDA, unveils the Sunrunner. Which is a service that will go from downtown St. Petersburg to St. Pete Beach. Today, we play you an encore presentation of Wave Makers with Janet and Tom. We're not taking calls on today's show. The guest is PSTA's CEO Brad Miller talking about the Sunrunner, which opens on Friday. <laughs>
1: Good morning and welcome to Wave Makers with Janet and Tom. A weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is the somewhat sturdy but always reliable John Dunn. Today's guest has been making waves in the Tampa Bay area for a decade. Brad Miller is Chief Executive Officer of the Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority, an agency with more than 300 buses and 800 employees.
2: Before PSTA, Brad served as the general manager of the transit system in Des Moines, Iowa. He's also implemented light rail, commuter rail, and other innovative transit services both in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in the Washington, D.C. area. And now he's presiding over one of the most significant transit projects in our region, the region's first-ever bus rapid transit system, the Sunrunner. And it's set to launch in October. Welcome,
3: Brad. Thank you very much. Good to have you here.
1: Thanks for being here. And it's great that we are um, able to talk about this, the BRT that you all are getting ready to launch just in a couple months. So let's start with that and start with, what is bus rapid transit? What is that? How is that different from an express bus or just a regular bus route?
3: Right, yeah. So we're really honored to finally get there in the Tampa Bay region. This will be the first rapid transit system of any kind really in in the Tampa Bay's history, long history of trying to get something off the ground and going. Bus Rapid Transit, the Sunrunner project that we're building that will open this fall from downtown St. Petersburg to the to the Gulf of Mexico beaches, is essentially a rapid transit system, like a light rail would be, mm-hmm. or like a rail line would be. It just uses rubber tires. It has it, stations instead of stops. The, the The vehicle pulls up, all the doors open, like a train does, and then you just get on on board any door. If you have a bike, you put it on the vehicle instead of the front of the vehicle, like a nor- like a normal bus. It acts like a train, and and it's rapid. It's much much faster. We think it'll be a big success, and, and it has its own
2: lane. Yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> that's right. It has its own dedicated lane through most of it, most of between downtown St. Petersburg and the beach. So it'll have uh, connections to the signal, signal priority. So it'll be it'll be a much faster. It'll be about the same, or maybe even a little
2: bit faster uh, than driving driving. Your so car. from downtown, it will run along First Avenue south or north, and then uh, coming back also takes 1st Avenue, because 1st Avenue is kind of a street that's perfect for BRT, right? Yeah,
3: it's it's perfect. Um, yeah, of course, it. 1st Avenue North and 1st Avenue South in St. Petersburg, parallel Central Avenue, where there's so much development going on from downtown moving, moving west, and th- those streets already had a lot of capacity. We were able to have that dedicated lane on 1st Avenue North, to go west and then first avenue uh south to go east um right by tropicana field and that that future development that's going to be there uh-huh. it, it's a it's a great opportunity for rapid the first
2: rapid transit but once you get to around 66th street i guess you don't have the same kind of uh, uh dedicated lane situation right yeah well it,
3: what we do do it for a little bit longer it goes out to 66th and then it Heads down Pasadena Avenue through South Pasadena in that area, and yeah, they'll will be a uh, dedicated lane through there. It just once it gets onto the beaches on Gulf Boulevard, uh, it'll it'll operate in mixed traffic.
1: So how many miles is that? That's that's actual the true BRT dedicated lane, and
3: oh, I, well, the the overall quarter is like around ten or eleven miles uh, from the beach to downtown St. Pete, and I think dedicated lane is about seven. A little bit little okay. more than seven miles um, And How
2: often will the buses run? Because that seems to be one of the key measures of this, how successful a transit system is. If if you have to wait an hour for a bus, right. it's not going to work, right? That That's exactly the issue. This will operate every 15 minutes,
3: all day, seven days a week. Every, every 15 minutes, every, wow. Every 15 minutes. Um, it'll be reliable, again, Unlike a normal uh, bus, especially on Gulf Boulevard during spring break, where it has to sit in traffic and can be delayed and you're not very reliable. Our trolleys that go there now are very crowded and very popular, but you know they. You might have to wait a long time to hit, to, to catch the next one. Um, this will be um, very reliable. Very, it's in its dedicated lane. It'll avoid the traffic. So. It'll take you a half hour today to get from downtown St. Petersburg to the beach. And then in 20 years, when traffic is even worse, it'll still take a half hour. Uh,
1: If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Brad Miller from the Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority. And we're talking about the bus rapid transit that will be opening this fall in St. Petersburg. And it's the first of its kind, the first bus rapid transit for our region. We're talking about how that's the first um, bus rapid transit for the region, but in its true way, it seems to me that it's one of the first in the state. There's something kind of Bus Rapid Transit E in Miami and Orlando and Jacksonville. Um, but maybe not quite as as true as what we have in Pinellas. Am I accurate, am I accurately conveying that? I,
3: th- I think that's pretty accurate. You know, for a very long time, the Tampa Bay region, like, like all cities across the country have been focused on rail mm-hmm. and, and uh, commuter rail or light rail, like, like I've worked on, uh, it has been very successful in other cities. That's been the goal for a long time. Bus rapid transit as a concept came around, came from other countries actually to the United mm-hmm. States. Colombia, very
1: like Bogota's famous for their BRT.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, South America. And then it started in Cleveland maybe about 15, 15 years ago. Uh, and it's really taken on. It's a lower cost option, but the goal is to make it as rail like as possible. Mm mm-hmm. um, even though it has rubber-tired vehicles, can use the the existing roadway. It's it's much more uh, cost-effective way of providing rapid transit. How long have you been working on this project? How many years has it been in the works? Well, it it's actually the first maps with this. This is our highest uh, transit corridor in the in Pinellas County. Uh, the Central Avenue corridor between the beach and downtown St. Pete has always been a very high ridership corridor. The the First adopted corridor for this to be a rapid transit line was in 2007. So we're, what, 50, 60, 15 years later, uh, we're finally getting it done. But
1: well, the studies go back, I think you said... Even longer. Even longer, yeah. so it's been looked at for almost
3: 30 years. That, that's right. The, these projects, this Tampa Bay region has really struggled to get anything off the ground. There's been study after study of different, different modes, different technologies... Uh, we were finally, we were the first uh, system and one of the first in, in the state of Florida to go through the federal process that mm-hmm. exists for these kinds of rapid transit projects and be successful. We, go, we were awarded a full funding grant agreement from the federal government back in the, pan, right the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Mm-hmm. That's when we started construction uh, on, the, on the finally getting this done, the Sunrunner this fall.
1: What is the cost, the total cost of this line?
3: The total cost is relatively cheap for a rapid transit line at $43 million. The federal government is paying half of that. The state uh, DOT is paying for a quarter, and then we're paying locally a a quarter. And what will it cost cost to ride? Well, the good news is for the first six months, it's going to be free. Free. Uh, Did you hear that, listeners? Free. Go
1: ride that bus. (laughs)
3: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, and, And then it'll be our regular uh, two dollars, two dollars and twenty-five cents. And how? Right. What kind of ridership are you projecting in the say the first year? Well, we, we, we think we think we'll have a very strong um, opening. Of course, with it being uh, free, we think a lot of people will check it out. This is a fantastic corridor for transit ridership because we've got lots of tourists who are working, living in uh, in hotels, staying in hotels on the beach. They want to go to downtown Saint mm-hmm. Pete or vice versa. We've got Tons of workers that ride transit reliably every day. They, they don't live on the beach. They
2: live in other areas, and they will take this out to the beach. Well, You can see dozens of them waiting for the bus outside the Don Cesar if you ever go to s yes. Beach. They are dedicated transit riders.
3: Yeah, because they don't have a lot of available parking there for their, the employees uh, at those beach hotels. And if you um, don't
2: make a lot of money... You can't really afford to own a car and, you know, maintain a car. It's very expensive these days with insurance and gas and oil. Absolutely. So this, is a, this is an economic alternative for them. Now, you did get some resistance at the beaches, right? We did. We did. This, this idea of
3: a, de- of a dedicated lane for transit um, was certainly probably the biggest issue to, to this. Then, the, then there's the whole connection to rapid transit. And economic development or further uh, density and growth that that has always been a hot button issue that's certainly something that we've had to work with the community to to explain how that all works
2: well, there is because uh, I lived at the beaches, so i I know this to be true that there are people who live out there who really don't want people to come to the beach that's, that's right. right they just that's don't right. They think of it as their own beach, and this is just going to bring more people outsiders to the beach and maybe even crime i think they they do worry about you know the people who ride buses may not be the kind of people we want at the beach i'm saying this you don't have to say it i'm saying it because i live there and i know it to be true but you overcame that somehow how did you do that we did we had, we had we had fantastic partnerships the the business community has always been very
3: supportive of it because they they know that their workers need this they need this kind of transportation to get to the, get to the jobs to for them to be competitive those hotels need a way for their employees to get there and then the Florida DOT has been an incredible uh, incredibly supportive really i think the Florida DOT just in the last 10 15 years has really taken on that mantra of being a department of transportation more right. than just a Department of Roads, but well, that's they—that was their they name are.
1: originally. I think that Florida Department of Roads, and then they changed it to Transportation. I mean, a long time ago, but yeah. it takes took a while to get out of that mindset. They actually FDOT does a really good job. I always say this that with trails that they have a really we have an incredible trail network throughout the state that I think a lot of people yeah. are not aware of. Um, they don't get enough credit for that.
2: And where will the BRT? Uh terminate at the beach. Uh, it's just north of the Don Cesar, is that right? Yeah,
3: just north of the Don Cesar, there's a there's a public uh, beach, county be- uh, beach park. We The station is right in the park, so it's literally maybe 50
2: feet from the beautiful white beach. Wow. And so in October, when this launches, you'll be able to catch the bus in downtown St. Pete, where? We have stations all along in downtown St. Pete.
3: It actually comes on First Avenue north and south into downtown St. Pete, and then it Jogs to the south. There will be a station right there at the USF St. Pete campus. Oh, so all huh. the way
1: from Bay to, bay to Gulf. That's you right. Know, basically, you will really go all the way from that is super
2: That's cool. That's like our tagline, Beach to Bay. So, but you oh. can't give us the exact date yet, right? All, I
3: can say, uh, let's see, October 2022, October, we'll have the first rapid
2: transit in Tampa October Bay going. Sometime in October. Ish. And you'll be announcing that date soon. We've got a couple...
1: Um, uh, Folks that want to um, or got some a phone call and an, and an email, so let's start with our phone call. We've and they both interestingly want to talk about the same thing of the same thought. So Brad needs to hear this. This is um Audie, I think Audie is from Tarpon Springs. You're on the line.
0: Just a reminder: this is an encore presentation of WaveMakers, and we're not taking calls today.
4: Hi. Uh, yeah, I came from the Washington D.C. area where we had great mass transportation. And, uh, you know, living down here, you have to take a car to go everywhere, so I hate yeah. that. Um, I was hoping that we would be looking at sometime in the near future uh, getting uh, mass transportation all the way from Tarpon Springs down to St. Pete so I could, like, hop on a bus yeah. or a train or something and see the museum without having to drive.
3: Yeah, uh, thank you for that great idea. Lots of people have had that uh, same thought about some kind of rapid transit on US-19, maybe Mm -hmm. connecting uh, Turpin Springs and up into Pasco County all the way straight down to St. Petersburg, maybe even across down to Bradenton and, and Manatee County. I think we are just starting that discussion again about... Looking at a BRT-like system, we're at, the DOT is actually giving us a piece of dedicated lane uh, in St. Petersburg on US-19 from the Skyway Bridge north to to in the southern part of St. Petersburg. We're going to have a dedicated lane for the buses, express buses to start. But I think over time we'll be able to sort of incrementally make that into a rapid transit line. Maybe all the way up to Tarpon Springs.
1: Audie, how long have you lived in the area? Um, uh, over fifteen years now. And do you use any public transit at all, or do you? Or I mean, you came from a place where you probably used it a lot.
4: No, I don't, because it's not really convenient.
1: Right, doesn't really take no. you anywhere. Um, yeah.
4: Well, so I mean, I uh, you know it's like in uh, I lived in Old Town Alexandria, and there were large long periods of time where I just did without a car because I could yeah. take buses and trains everywhere. And uh, you know, it seems like with uh, the environmental situation, we ought to be looking at doing that in more places. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: Thanks for the call, We appreciate it. We also got an email from one of our favorite listeners, David Bryant. David, thanks so much for sending this email. And he mentioned the same thing, is that he'd like to see a BRT system to what Miami has along US-1. It's got not just a great BRT line, but also a great bike trail in the same corridor. This could be built along US-19 from St. Pete to Tarpon Springs. So Two, uh, two thoughts right there early on in the show about the Tarpon Springs to St. Pete line. Um, and on a separate note, he says there's a great article today on the Tampa Bay Times site about the Howard Franklin Bridge ex- uh, construction. I'm very excited about the new bike ped path that will be on the new bridge. And I think it includes a quarter for future light rail and our BRT. And that is correct. There is, um, a possibility of, of having a, uh, Lot rail line there, although there, it would be a, still a massive project. It's actually not, I don't think there's to actually make it happen. I don't know how much you know about that, but.
3: Right. right. The bridge is going to be built to have this sort of substructure right. that is strong enough to handle a rail connection between Hillsborough right. and Pinellas.
1: But then you'd have right. to build more lanes for cars, right? It's not like it doesn't have the capacity for rail and car when it's built. It'll have the ability to carry rail, but they would need to build new spans for cars if they were putting that rail there. I believe is what right. the story well, is.
3: Well, I think it's going to open. It'll open up with a with some. What you know, express lanes or mm-hmm. lanes, managed lanes, or, manage lanes or Lexus pay, lanes, whatever you want to call them, to go in. <laughs> um, and and so to start, certainly, we'll have express buses operating in those lanes. They have that same kind of thing down in uh, South Florida as well. We'll have express buses using those managed lanes to start. And then, yes, I think if they ultimately convert it to rail, then at least one of those lanes, one of those, uh, uh, express lanes would maybe have to go be turned into a rail. So
1: there, it will open with express buses in those lanes, in those express lanes? Are they going to be operated by PSTA or HART? Which HART is, is for listeners, if you don't know, that's the Hillsborough um, Transit Agency. Hillsborough. Yeah.
3: Well, we're still working on some of those details. I know that PSTA currently operates a express bus from downtown St. Petersburg to downtown Tampa over the Gandhi Bridge. Mm-hmm. But the plan for that is for it once the Howard Franklin Bridge opens up and those lanes open up, is to convert that to go over the Howard Franklin Bridge. That way you can also stop at the airport, which is something that downtown St. Pete folks would really like is a connection, a, way, a transit connection to the airport that will also connect it to the Sunrunner. Mm-hmm. And then over time, we, we think the Sunrunner can be a catalyst for more rapid transit. The, the rapid transit that the caller, uh, caller uh, was interested in, up US-19, up to Tarpon Springs, also... Connecting uh, across the Howard Franklin Bridge over to Tampa.
1: Well, let's talk about talk about this a little bit since we we it's already been brought up. But the BRT and the express lanes and managed lanes. There was um, for a while conversation about having a um, bus that would go all the way from Pasco County to St. Petersburg um, in. These managed lanes, these toll lanes, um express lanes, lexus lanes, they have so many different names, depending on how you feel about them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what's the status of that? That was something that was talked about for quite some time um, and what's the status yeah. of that now?
3: Yeah, there was a plan for essentially a bus rapid transit or a rapid transit system along the interstate uh, but It sort of went through some roadblocks, mostly in Hillsborough County related because in Hillsborough County, the interstate's not wide enough and to widen the highway was a really big, big challenging issue. So that's been sort of put to bed and uh, is not planned anymore. This idea of a rapid transit line connecting Pasco, St. Petersburg uh, along US-19 is is now being in, in the works to be studied and planned. Um, Wow, okay. uh, And then I think over time, using the existing highway, not widening it, but starting in Pinellas, again, like I said, the express bus from St. Petersburg to the airport, um, we actually were the pilot location for the Florida DOT to test running the buses on the shoulders of the highway. Mm -hmm. And that's operating in Pinellas. You can see... When the uh, when and the traffic gets congested, the buses—it's a great marketing thing. It is for the actually. Bus. I
1: think I see that yeah. you have the statute actually it's, on the bus. It actually <laughs> has the statute saying that it's okay to have a bus, and that, I love that. It's interesting yeah. bus art.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> for a yeah, statute, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then when, there's nothing worse—at least for me—as the transit director to be sitting in the traffic and watch the bus zoom by and' like um, why, why can't I be on that
1: well that's the good marketing yeah. right because you see the bus going by the people in the traffic yeah and is it working well because I know that one some of this, the the pushback on that was well what if there's an accident and cars need to pull over to the side of the road and to the shoulder and then the buses can't get through has that come to fruition does that happen much oh, yeah.
3: well I mean that that is a problem I mean, it's not a perfect solution to run the buses on the shoulder because of just that that the highway is not that wide so yeah well, if there's an accident they the state uh, highway has to pull the a car or debris off the road, and sometimes that that kind of nixes the, uh, the the benefit of it. But at other times, there is a benefit to having the bus on shoulder. And then, like I said, once the Howard Franklin Bridge opens up and has these express lanes there, um, we we think that will provide a much faster connection first to the airport and then. Then also leads to
1: downtown Tampa. Um, you're listening to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom on WMNF. And we're talking to Brad Miller, CEO of the Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority. Um, let's take a break now for a promo, and we'll be right back.
4: This is Walter Elspeth II, the host of the Sunday Forum. Each and every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. The Fourth Estate and I do research and have intelligent conversation. With each and every one of you, and we love it. We love bringing you the best in radio programming here on WMNF eighty eight point five, Tampa,
2: Sarasota, St. Pete.
1: And that is a great show on Sundays with Walter Smith. It's a it's a great one to listen to in those of uh, those mornings.
2: You're listening to Wave Makers with Janet and Tom on WMNF. We're talking to Brad Miller, CEO of the Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority. Do you know a wave thinker? Is there someone you would like to hear from on this show? If so, email us at DJ at dj.wmnf.org, put Wavemakers in the subject line, and we will consider your suggestion.
1: So we're talking about the bus rapid transit line that is uh, will open this fall in St. Pete. And one of the really interesting things about bus rapid transit is what they call transit-oriented development, or TOD among transit geeks. <laughs> but what that basically means is that there's development around the stations, just like you might have around a rail line or something. Tell us about that. Why is there more um, development around BRT versus um, regular bus stops?
3: Right. So one, one one of the reasons that pretty much every city in the United States across the world has rapid transit, and we've been struggling to get it here in the Tampa Bay, is with a rapid transit line, with a rail line or a dedicated transit system of some sort, that Transit planners like myself can't move to another area that can incentivize develop economic development around the station locations.
1: because they know there are going to be people there every day getting on and off right,
3: and, right. and and they have an, another way to travel that doesn't require a huge park area of their development to be for parking for they or a big parking garage are very expensive. There can be higher density development built around the stations. You see this in every city across the country, Washington, D.C., around the Washington Metro Station. It's a
2: selling point for any landlord. We're steps away from a, a subway exactly, stop. Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
3: It, 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 it is shown to to boost uh, values around, because because folks don't need to have one or two or three or four cars uh, to get around. They can use the rapid transit. And that, we're already seeing that happen just uh, as the sunrunner gets under construction, that uh, City of St. Petersburg and South Pasadena are all working to change their land use plans to increase density and development around the, the Sunrunner Rapid uh, Transit Station.
2: So there's the connection uh, between transit and affordable housing because it's, we've yeah. been talking over and over about the housing crisis that we are dealing with and the, one of the answers, because there's not any one answer, is more construction More housing, more dense housing, and so this opens the door to allow that to happen, particularly in St. Pete, and it sounds like South Pasadena is open to that too, right?
3: Oh yeah, I I mean, as you well know, and I know, uh, listening to the show, you talk about it all the time, but Pinellas County is certainly in desperate need of more housing opportunities, Mm -hmm. more affordable housing opportunities, and and that's what this Sunrunner. Will allow, not only will hopefully we'll have lower cost housing for uh, folks, but then they can save so much money by riding right. public transportation yeah. instead of owning and operating.
1: It's about all kinds of affordability, Cars. right? Not yeah. ju- just having to, not just necessarily about affordable housing, but see, just lowering is, your expenses by being yeah. able to use transit. And
2: this is not just a dream. This actually has happened. I mean, for example, in in Miami, where the Brightline station was right. built, yeah. it's incredible the development that you've seen around there. Urban development. It, it looks like a real city there.
3: Yeah, in an area that really hardly had anything. I think it just had open parking right. lots, pretty much.
1: Um, speaking of Brightline, we are, there is bus rapid, or this is high-speed rail, relatively high-speed rail that um, is going to, it's in Miami now, it's going to go to Orlando, and then it's going to actually come to Tampa along I-4, yeah. I think coming up in the next few, five or so years. What, what's your take on that, and will that have any impact on Pinellas, and is there, are there any plans to take it all the way over to St. Peter Pinellas?
3: Well, I think it has been a, an incredibly successful program to introduce transit to many, many Floridians that had never ridden public transportation before down in Miami. I mean, I've ridden that thing. It is mm-hmm. it is amazing. It yep. is so nice. It is it is a new level of transit uh, that in, yeah. in our state. It is. It is under construction. They've already completed this the uh, station at the Orlando Airport, so it is soon to make its way over from the Miami area over to Orlando. It then, yes, we will come down I four down the median of I four to uh, the station in Tampa. Mm-hmm. The big question is for us for us folks over <laughs> in Pinellas is how can we connect to it? It probably will not. Um, the the Brightline trains are large commuter trains. They probably will not come across that Howard Franklin Bridge. Uh, I don't think the bridge is uh, strong enough to right. take that kind of technology. But can we provide some kind of rapid transit? Maybe a bus rapid transit line mm-hmm. that can easily connect people from St. Pete and make great connections to that right line
1: just watching this stuff for as many years as i have it's just incredible to see these things um actually coming to fruition yeah we got a couple calls um if you want to join this conversation you can give us a call at 813-239-9663 and the sturdy john dunn will get you through to us um we've got burt from clearwater burt from clearwater you're on the line what's on your mind
5: yeah i'm just i'm wondering if you know if we have one existing rail line that's CSX uses through the county. I wonder if that's in the plans uh, to use that at all. Uh, my phone might die here, so I hope I could get through it. And when I moved down here, uh, like 1992, 1993, they had they had like a light rail uh, had a light rail uh, exposition, a display about one train that yeah. came down. And I wonder if they're going to work on that because that that railroad is really just sitting there, very often being used by CSX. So, you know, and it was a light rail system where you didn't need the big. It's like a bus. It pulls up, you get on, yeah. and you get off. Are they looking at that?
3: Yeah. Well, that 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 track that you're describing that goes that winds through Pinellas County from downtown St. Petersburg up through the middle of the county through Clearwater and then up and over the top of the Tampa Bay. Yeah. It has very very little freight traffic on it. In fact, some areas have no freight traffic on it. There's been a lot of discussions of converting that to a passenger rail. I think you're referencing a time that they had a demonstration train running mm-hmm. on that uh, for a while back, uh, a, a long time ago. That must have
2: been 25 years ago, so you have a good memory.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Well, I, I, did work, I did work for Amtrak up in the New York City area, the New York division as a signalman, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm a proponent of light rail, but they should, they should use that system, uh, and get, you know, get some metal to metal on the, on, on transit within this area. I think it'd be a good opportunity. It's already there. And when I first moved down here, I oh, hope I'm going to not be cut off here. When I first moved down here, when they started developing the Canellas Trail, they had like dreams of, of putting rail you know, like overhead rails, stuff like
1: that. Oh right. Yeah. You were talking about doing the the, gondol- the gon- gondolas or something like that. Or yeah, I
3: think there was a time there was like a Disney like monorail proposed. Yeah. Uh and then yeah, yeah, then the gondola. Well
1: and then now what you do have in Clearwater, thanks for the call, Bert. I'm gonna um let you go now since your phone's about all right. to die. Thanks for calling. But Clearwater, um, there actually is a ferry right now that goes from, in terms of alternative transportation in that area, that goes from downtown Clearwater down to the beaches. Because that bridge gets so... Is that a PSTA ferry or...
3: Well, PSTA is coordinating with a private operator okay. who operates the ferry there. Yeah, it's very similarly. We fund all of the trolleys that run along the beaches in Pinellas County, like the Jolly Trolley, mm-hmm. which is very, very popular, especially during spring break. Getting folks from downtown Clearwater over to over, over to the uh, Clearwater Beach, or just doing a bar crawl
2: along Gulf Boulevard. Yeah, Going exactly. That, I've exactly. experienced that myself. It's Woo. a it's a great way to um, experience the beaches without mm-hmm. having to deal with traffic cars. I mean, exactly. gotta find a parking place. We have lots to, of. Yeah. Um,
3: Lots of folks that take the trolleys around. The ferry is an alternative option. That doesn't even use the roadway, right? um, especially during spring break. The the Causeway Bridge getting over to Clearwater Beach gets so congested. You can park your car in downtown Clearwater for free and then take the ferry over. It's fun, and you avoid all the traffic.
1: We've got another um, ferry question, actually, from Javon. I hope I'm saying that right. Javon in St. Pete, you're on the line. What's on your mind?
5: Uh, yeah, my question is: Do we see a future in using the cross base ferry from downtown St. Pete to downtown Tampa? Um, I think it's really beneficial. Now it's a great way to get across the bay. Mm-hmm.
2: Of any yeah,
5: of the other bridges.
2: Do you use it, Jimo?
5: Uh Not yet. No, yeah, uh, it has a very, very bizarre schedule, and I can't seem to match up with it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
5: I
3: understand. Yes, uh, I, ho- I certainly hope that that can be part of our transportation. Yeah, we do have some. Awesome opportunities in the Tampa Bay, of course, with our waterways, and we think lots of other cities like ours with uh, with water have made use of ferries to be public transportation. Mm-hmm. The Cross Bay Ferry that connects uh, St. Petersburg with Tampa is very successful. I don't know if I would call it really a public transit mode yet. I mean, lots of people are taking it to the Lightning Games and Mm -hmm. to other activities in Tampa. We're going to the restaurants in St. Petersburg, but like... Or uh, the museums, or the pier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But like the the caller mentioned, it, it operates on a limited schedule. It doesn't operate seven days a
2: week. Uh, there's only one boat uh, right now. It, so frequency, it, again, getting back to the whole frequency issue on transit, right. that's just as important with the ferry as it is with the buses. Right. Exactly, exactly. Right now,
3: there's a plan in Hillsborough to purchase a, a second boat, and I think once we get that, then we can get it. We can really start seeing it become part of our transportation. Now,
2: there system. are some transit advocates who are critical of the ferry because they see it as it's just a tourist thing; it's just for fun. But I often think, well, wait a minute, I drive to museums, I drive to restaurants, I drive to parks, what's the difference? Right, exactly. Especially in a place like Pinellas where a lot of our traffic is created by
3: tourism. Uh, the, the tourism economy. Lots of our riders are riding the bus either they they don't have a car because they've flown in from some other place in the United States to go to our beautiful beaches and they're riding the trolleys or they're workers. They're workers they're working at those hotels and restaurants.
2: Or if you've ever been to a lightning game, you would probably appreciate yeah. fewer cars mm-hmm. <laughs> clogging our streets. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and
1: also just to not have to deal with parking. Everything. Yeah, exactly. We have a text message from Bubba that I'm going read because it's funny and he says i prefer blt over brt (laughs) tasty what i would say bubba is that brt is a tasty form of transit (laughs) so don't want to eat it a little crunchy but nonetheless it is a tasty form of transit um we've got um ken in tampa um ken in tampa
0: you're on the line what's on your mind just a reminder this is an encore presentation of wave makers and we're not taking calls today
6: Thank you. I just tuned in your show. I'm very glad to hear you discussing these topics. I called in because I used to be an engineer for the city of Clearwater for a number of years, and one of the things I did while I was there was get the state to give the city hundred fifty thousand dollars to fund a study of ways to get from downtown Clearwater to Clearwater Beach. And we looked at thank you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, by the way. I still have that study if anybody wants me to email it to them. And this was uh, around uh, 2001, I think, or 99, somewhere around there. Anyway, I um, also looked at other ways. And one of the most interesting ways was called an automated people mover, which is what you have at airports. Mm-hmm. And they are very light. Uh, you were talking about heavy rail earlier. Yeah. Uh, much lighter than light rail. And they don't cost very much. Um, and they don't cost very much to install. That them.
1: airport people mover was expensive when you think about how much it, it is per mile. So the, the new one going
2: to the uh, remote park. Yeah. Obviously. So the yeah that was six hundred and
6: twenty-five million, I believe. Or yeah. Like
1: that. And how long? I think it's two miles or something like that.
6: So you, yeah, we're looking at a two-mile alignment for sixty million.
1: Yeah, and, but that. the BRT is that comes out to about four million dollars a mile.
6: It's, right. It's, it's That's super
1: cheap. Cost. Yeah.
6: I have no idea why the airport one uh, cost so much. But anyway, uh so this would go over the causeway and it, it did have some benefits. The people movers, as you know, can snake around so they could make a loop from garage to hotel and so forth, go right through the lobby in hotels, which is mm-hmm. in the United States. And for an extra five million it could be elevated on the causeway so people would look out over the, you know, fabulous vista. And then, uh, and then land uh, on the beach. So that was a very interesting idea back then. I think it's still an interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. And one last comment, there are new possibilities on the way if you haven't already discussed them before I tuned in. And um, one of the problems with ferries is that the no wake zone, but with electric hydrofoil boats, which are just starting to be developed, uh, that might solve that, that wake problem. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the call. appreciate it. I do want to mention that, because I worked at the airport when they were building that people mover, and part of the reason why it was so expensive is because it required a bridge and a tunnel, and it was a very complicated project. Um, and so that's part of the reason why it was so expensive. And I believe also that cost included the cars. so I just want to um put that defense out there for the airport, because we all love our airport. Thanks, Ken, for the call. appreciate it very much. Um, we also have, let's see... Clay, Clay from Land of Lakes. Oh, sorry, Clay. I clicked the wrong button. Please call back. Um, Bill in St. Pete is calling in. Bill, you're on the line. What's on your mind?
7: Yeah, hi. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask Brad uh, why uh, he thinks the uh, city of St. Pete has not been supportive of uh, the initiative the, uh, on uh, First Avenue North and South, and uh, from the downtown to the beach. Uh, especially regarding the um, activity zones and development around them.
3: Oh, well, um, the city of St. Petersburg has been incredibly supportive. Uh, First, uh, Mayor Christman, when he was there, he was the biggest proponent for the the Sunrunner Rapid Line in St. Pete, and now Mayor Welch has has had a long career of being very supportive of public transportation, and he's taken the mantle and has been supportive. The issues right. we had so early on were so over at the, beach, at,
2: me, at, the, at the beach at the beach. Well, well, go ahead and restate your question if you think we misunderstood. Right.
7: All yeah, there's there's been a lot of talk, of course, about about being supportive of the uh, of the, the the route. Yeah, but there hasn't been any real. Meaningful action. The activity zones were were identified uh, decades ago, and uh, and uh, density though seems to uh, zoning uh, and city planning uh-huh. uh, in principle have have not acted on this to make it uh, meaningful. The, uh, in the uh, recent um, I don't know in the last few years I'll say uh, right, uh, as an example on Thirty uh, Fourth Street and Central Avenue. There's been a, a, a tremendous opportunity to, to uh, have uh, workforce housing, and some has been built, but the zoning has really limited the developers going in there and building something meaningful. There was a, a courageous developer built some built a uh, an apartment building beside the bus station, but zoning only zoning limited them to three or four stories. <laughs> Brand. Brad,
1: do you want to address that? That's because uh, that kind of relates almost to our transit-oriented development conversation. So, is that he, yes? What I mean, was thank, thank you for the call, Bill.
3: Yeah, thank you, Bill. I think you're right. There's been a lot of debate around can can you build transit-oriented development, more intense development, without rapid transit? And the answer is on regular bus lines. It is not. It's very difficult to really count on that bus line being there. One of the benefits of, of well, at least it's what they commitment. thought the benefits you're, you're, to yeah. the buses was you could move them if right. the demand moved. But that makes economic development around it very difficult. So yes, now that we have the Sunrunner on the dedicated uh line on First Avenue North and South in downtown in St. Petersburg, I think you will see the opportunity for more affordable housing, more workforce housing opportunities. The city has already adopted this plan to incentivize development there, maybe keeping density where people, or they don't want it, uh, in the neighborhoods, focused on, on the central avenue. Are
1: you already seeing, uh, you know, this, everybody knows where the state, I don't know offhand, but the stations have already been determined, so, and yeah. you started construction two years ago, so is there, has there been in the last two years activity? Have you noticed any movement? Oh, yes. Are you already around those stations that are coming?
3: Yeah, if you go down to uh, St. Petersburg now, you can see... T- Along the Central Avenue corridor, as you look west, there's n- the number of cranes and construction of new apartments, new uh, n- new development going along, primarily at the Sunrunner Station. So it's
1: just this is not just talk; this is actually happening. We are not having to fantasize about it anymore. We can see this happening in St. Pete, and, it can and yes, these are down, my
2: fantasies. <laughs> these are my transit fantasies. Both First Avenues, <laughs> yeah. as it, As it gets uh, as it goes farther west. Now we will see as it pushes. Farther west, you get into single-family neighborhoods, and we'll see if there is resistance. Obviously, downtown and in, in the Grand Central District, you have people who are much more open to density. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not right. so much in West St. Petersburg, but we will see.
1: All right, we got Clay on the line. Clay, sorry I accidentally hung up on you. You're on the line. What's on your mind, Clay?
8: Well, two things. First, I, I have two questions. And the first question is, is, this? are these buses going to be electric or diesel?
3: PSDA is investing in ultimately going to go 100% electric. These Sunrunner buses, which we already have, are hybrid electric uh, vehicles to start. Ultimately, we're going to get chargers to be put at the Sunrunner station so then they can be converted to electric.
8: Okay. So the, the next question is, are you familiar with a system that has no traffic impacts, Uh, And um, won't be stopping other traffic. It won't be um, um, susceptible to accidents that go on on the roadway. It gives you the most wonderful view. Um, It's faster. It's got lower maintenance costs. And um, do you know what system I'm talking about?
3: I don't. Uh, Sounds too good to be true.
8: Back back when I was a kid, I went to Bush Gardens when I was young, and they had a monorail. And they were telling us the monorail system was the transportation system of the future. And yeah. here's the thing that people need to understand. You only put stanchions in the ground. You can go right down the middle of a major highway mm-hmm. or a major roadway. It's elevated. People are going to want to ride it for a view, if nothing else. I mean, that's the way you need to go. We're not doing anything futuristic. This is all sticking with old
2: technology. Same thing at Disney World, right? Old way. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, in the gondolas, it's just interesting, um, Clay, that you bring that up. We, there was a, a desire for that. I think Victor Chris talked about it. Uh, was it was Janet Long also interested in the gondolas? I don't recall. Oh, yeah. Was, gondolas. Was, lots of That's lots what of... you're calling those. They're talking about the... um no, the he's go- talking about a
2: monorail. Like oh, a monorail. In, a monorail, World, okay. the right, yeah. middle of the interstate. Oh, yeah. But it's, uh, I think, uh, Brad, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think one of the challenges with monorails is the expense. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's
8: a one-time expense, and it's it maintenance cost. It's all gotten back, and it's maintenance cost, and it's increased ridership. You get do it all back. No, and I you think do, you're, you're I right. Think on the
3: monorail, on, on, on the Sunrunner, on rapid rail, any kind of thing like that, the, the biggest challenge is the upfront cost. And that has been a real challenge for the region to come up with the money to spend on a system like that. The operating cost of running a monorail—you're exactly right—the operating cost compared to running old technology of a diesel bus is a lot lower cost.
1: And what you're saying, Clay, is it doesn't—it's not in, it interacting with the car traffic that's already there, and, and, and yeah,
8: and actions won't matter if you have an accident. No, We can fly right over it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just fantastic. And the thing was, that's the technology they were telling us we were going to be doing 35 years ago.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Clay, thanks for calling back. Really appreciate it. And always appreciate your calls.
2: Um, you certainly see that kind of uh, transit in Europe with the high-speed rail system that they have uh, built extensively throughout Europe. Those are more elevated, fixed transit corridors as opposed to Brightline, which is ground level. Right. But again, the difference there is the cost.
3: Right, those high-speed lines you see in Europe, um, you really cannot have any kind of crossings because uh, the trains are going 400 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, they they have to completely section off the quarter for hundreds of miles
1: we've got just um a few minutes left in our uh, conversation today with brad miller who is the uh, ceo of the pinellas suncoast transit authority um the psta is getting ready to open the region's first ever bus rapid transit for the region and that will open in the fall if you have any questions for brad or you just want to talk about what you think about the transit in the region the opportunities for public transit give us a call 813-239-9663 or send us an email um at DJ at WMNF.org. That's 813-239-9663 or DJ at WMNF.org to talk about transit. We got another email from David Bryant um, and he, this is, I'm going to read it from him. He says, is TBARTA still kind of toothless? I feel that TBARTA doesn't have the kind of power needed to make for a truly regional transit system in the Tampa Bay area. Why can't it be operated more like MARTA in Atlanta or WMNF? WMATA, I don't know how W M A T A, and Washington D.C., which are pretty darn good mass transit systems, and that's interesting you say that, David, because we've been having a lot of conversations around the idea of how do we connect Pasco, Hills, Rio Pinellas. How? What do we do? How do we have a regional transit system? And Tibarta was created, to sort try of to do that. To try to do that, and how has it fared? And what's the status of it right now, Brad? What do you know about it?
3: Well, I think, David, uh, it is correct. It. It was created by the state, but it was kind of created without any authority or certainly any funding source to implement those regional transportation I think they get like a
1: million dollars a year now, or 1.5 million or something, and they're excited about that.
3: Yeah, and (laughs) and actually the last several years, the uh, funding that the state legislature has improved has been vetoed, uh, Um, ultimately, and so they haven't gotten anything from mm, the state. Wow, okay, so that's pretty toothless. Which may be why some people want to get rid of it. Exactly. I, I think the... Need for a, for regional transportation solutions has never been higher than it is now. Um, more and more people are are working and visiting across county lines uh, in Pasco, Hillsborough, and Pinellas. But the vehicle of T Barta probably is not the right way to go. We probably need to look at it some other.
1: And there was way. a brief period of time where there was talk of merging Hart, the Hillsborough bus agency, and the yeah. Pinellas bus agency. But those that also hasn't gone anywhere. That's kind of died on
3: the vine. Yeah, it, it was it was maybe a bigger thing maybe ten years ago, and yeah, I, who, I,
2: what, who, who was it was Hart in favor or against or what was the what, what why
3: didn't that happen back then? I think because of some state legislators from Pinellas. Pinellas was more supportive of it. Looking at a some kind of merger or quasi merger or something, there wasn't much support in Hillsborough.
1: Do you need to have a regional agency in order for these different agencies to work together, or is there a way to do that without one organization.
3: I I don't think it's necessary. I I think I think we we the transportation entities in the Tampa Bay do try to work together. They do try to coordinate things. Certainly, having some kind of all powerful um, regional authority like uh, the Washington Metro in the D.C. area or something like that would probably get that rapid line going from uh, Tampa to uh, St. Pete faster. Um, but it, it's not impossible otherwise.
2: One of the success stories we've seen the last couple of years is with the trolley in Tampa uh-huh. yeah. connecting Ebor and downtown. <clears throat> There's talk of extending it into Tampa Heights. Um, but one of the reasons it's been so successful recently is because it's free. So that makes me wonder, why isn't transit free generally in, in, in Tampa and in St. Pete? That's a that's a very good question. A question that a lot of
3: cities—it's sort of like the hot topic in transportation right now. Should public transportation, should all transportation, be viewed as a public service? Mm-hmm. You know, and the way roads are, Both yeah, the roads are free. Yeah, there are toll roads, obviously. You know, exactly. Um, and some cities have even moved forward. With this. Kansas City has made a a lot of their uh, city transit free. Um, I think Boston is looking at that. L.A. is looking at that. Wow. Pinellas looked at that sort of accidentally during the pandemic. We had everyone boarding from the back of the buses, and so we didn't charge fares. Ridership went way up. Hmm. Um, we, we we studied that a lot. We saw existing riders rode a lot more because there was no cost. They could just hop on and off. I think you'll see that. That's like on the trolley in Tampa as well. Yes. It, it certainly would make it more accessible to more people issue is, where do we come up with the, in our case, 10 or $15 million a year uh, that we get in the fares? Right. Um,
1: I mean, so the, the f- honestly, the fares are not keeping me from riding the bus. That isn't what keeps me from riding it. It's the convenience. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. just, it just doesn't
2: it's not frequent enough. It's not
1: frequent enough, though I live a block away from a, a bus stop, which is really pretty nice. There, well, there's one that goes one direction on my side. I have to cross Dale Mabry Highway to get to, <laughs> to go if I want to go the other direction on the bus. But it's still, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I live so close to the bus. And we've gone through periods of, of riding, but it is not always super convenient.
2: And it's not convenient mostly because frequency.
3: That's right. We've if you wrong. miss a
2: bus and it's going to be 30 minutes... Yeah. or or 45, or an hour, um, you're probably not going to take it very often. But That's
3: right.
1: But as That's far right. as the fare-free um, buses go, you're doing something with the Pinellas County Schools in that vein, is that correct?
3: That's right, yeah. We, we've we been working on this for a while. Lots of people have always asked me, why, why do kids in the Tampa Bay area all ride these yellow buses and they don't just take advantage of the transit buses that go right by the schools. So for the first time, the Pinellas County School Board voted in uh, just this spring to have all their students get what we call a U-pass. We've had with the colleges in in, uh, Pinellas, now all students can just show their ID badge and ride any trolley or bus or the Sunrunner uh, for free and they can take that to school. Of course, they can take it to after-school programs. They can take it to a job. They can just take it to the beach. Um, yeah. when
1: When I was growing up, when I took the bus to school, I rode a city bus and I would catch the bus. It was like three blocks from my house and the bus would take me downtown and I transferred and then Went on to my school. So this is seventh grade
0: in, in Northern Virginia, and
1: I had some of my best memories of that year were being downtown when the bus was transferring. It was like in front of a Woolworths, and we'd all go in and get snacks and hang out at the bus, you know, because we were coming from all over the city and we're gathering together at this transfer station. So it was super fun,
6: yeah.
1: You know, and same. Yeah. I just showed my my badge, and I was able to ride the ride the city bus.
3: Yeah, well, this is kind of a new thing, like you say, it happens all over the country. Um, but we are piloting it in Pinellas this coming school year at three high schools, and wow. we think it will be a success. Um, at Largo, at Dunedin High, and at Gibbs High, and uh, where, where kids are going to be assigned to ride the public transit bus rather than a yellow bus.
1: Um, you've. We've got just a few minutes left, and the last thing that I want to talk about very quickly is the autonomous vehicles, because we're talking a lot about all this innovative, cool stuff that PSTA is doing. Tell us what's going on with the um, automated buses.
3: Yeah, well, we had a caller talking about some other technologies that they've explored in the past. Sort of the, the next wave of technology is automation. Can we have a driverless bus in the future? Maybe that will be more efficient. And we have had... PSDA, well, cut
1: your costs. Yeah, which I hate to say that as we automate and get rid of people jobs, but yeah, or, <laughs> we, or
3: we could we could not necessarily cut our costs, but we could take that investment and put it into more frequent service, mm-hmm. um, as Thomas is suggesting on our other lines. Right. Maybe the uh, PSDA launched the first auto- autonomous vehicle in mixed traffic, where it's operating with other cars, a driverless shuttle in Florida, back. Last uh, last year in downtown St. Petersburg, right along the waterway, our AVA autonomous vehicle operated with great success. Mm-hmm. Then we moved it from there. We moved it up to Dunedin, where it provided service to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays spring training games. And mm-hmm. Canadians love public transportation, so they <laughs> rode it in big drove. And then, then we then we had it uh, over spring break on Clearwater Beach. Oh, my well, God. Um, people love that. And on one day, St. Patrick's Day, it had the highest ridership ever on an autonomous vehicle in the United States. Wow, um, pretty, okay. pretty neat. Yeah. Next, next stop for it is going to be in Tarpon Springs along the sponge docks. We're going to put it up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that stuff is, that's another one of those things that people talk about are autonomous vehicles, autonomous transit, and well, actually people movers are autonomous. Yeah. That actually is a, a, an automated people mover that they have out at the airport. There's no driver on that. But that is coming. I mean, we you've seen that out in um, California. I think there are some places where they're actually have... Um, Driverless taxis, I think, is yeah, what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Well, speaking
2: yeah. of taxis, are, are we past the Uber and Lyft era? Or are you still having relationships with those? Uh, oh yeah, disruptive uh, companies. We do. We, uh, we 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 have
3: we have relationships with all our friends, and Uber, Lyft, and the taxis um, are all providing thousands of rides uh, on our paratransit system in Pinellas County right now.
1: Um, we're about out of time, so I want to um, thank you, Brad, for being um, with us today. I really appreciate it. It was a really good conversation. Um, thanks for everybody who called in, and thanks for everybody who sent emails. Um, up next is um, NPR News, followed by Harrison Nash. Uh,
2: and coming up this afternoon, the Lulu's from 3 to 6, the Freak Show from 6 to 8, the Dream Clinic from 8 to 10, and catch our friend Cam Dilly Friday mornings. This is WMNF Tampa.
0: You can find out more about the Sunrunner, which opens Friday at WMNF.org slash news. The candidates for U.S. Senate in Florida will debate tonight, and you can hear it live on WMNF. We'll broadcast the debate between Marco Rubio and Val Demings on our HD3 channel, The Source, from 7 until 8 o'clock tonight. You can listen on an HD radio, on the WMNF app, or on WMNF.org. Thanks so much for listening on WMNF Tampa.